is our creator, that is our maker, that is worthy of surrendering to, that you are a good father that we can run to like nothing else matters because you know us. God, we love you. We thank you that your spirit is here with us today. And Victory family, we wanna continue in our worship through celebrating and remembering what Christ did on the cross for us today. So you should have received a communion cup on your way in. If you don't, just pop up a hand and one of our ushers will get it to you. See, communion is just a symbol. It's just a reminder of God making the sacrifice of his son to die on the cross for us. And by his broken body, we were able to be forgiven. We were able to be made whole. So the Bible encourages us to do this often in remembrance of him. And this is something that we do together as the body of Christ. But also if you're here and you wouldn't say that you're part of the body of Christ yet, but you want to say yes. In just a moment, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer together, but I would encourage you to join us in this symbol as we take this. Go ahead and take out the bread. And as I mentioned, this represents Christ's body broken for us. And here at Victory, we believe in healing that just as Jesus healed back in the New Testament days, he is still healing today. And we're able to declare that because of his broken body, we're able to be restored, healed, and forgiven. So as you hold that piece of bread in your hands, if you'd break it, just as Christ's body led as a lamb to slaughter was sacrificed for us, I just wanna pray for healing in this moment as we remember his body broken. God, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son and that Jesus willingly gave up his life for us, that he was not forced, he was not coerced, but he laid down his life, his body beaten, his body nailed to a cross, his body broken, so that we could be forgiven, that we could be healed. So God, I just pray right now over every single person in this room that's experiencing brokenness, whether that's in their body, in their mind, in their heart, in their emotions, or those that are standing in the gap for someone that is. God, we thank you that you already paid the price for our healing. God, that we don't have to do anything but receive it. So God, right now, I declare healing in this room, healing over hearts, healing over minds, healing over sicknesses. God, we thank you that you are our creator, you are our maker, and there's nothing that can separate us from you, and there's nothing that you can, can't do. So God, we love you, we thank you for your sacrifice, and we declare healing today in Jesus' name, amen. You may take the bread. And as you prepare the cup, through this we remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us so that we could be passed over and covered, that we would no longer be separated from him because of our sins, but that he was the ultimate sacrifice. And you're here in this room and maybe this is your first time hearing this story or maybe you've heard it before but you haven't internalized it inside. See, back in the day, they would sacrifice animals and that blood would cover our wrongs. Everything had to have a punishment. There had to be something to cover every wrong. And Jesus came so that he could right those wrongs. Jesus came to cover our sins that we would no longer be separated from God's presence because of shame, because of the things we've done. But because of his blood, we would be passed over from sin and judgment and we'd be reconciled to him. So as we pray, 
if it is your first time here in this room that you wanna make that step and you wanna say yes to Jesus, I wanna encourage you to pray with me as I remember all of us together, the sacrifice that Jesus made so his blood would cover us. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that you gave, that you were not satisfied with us being separated from you because of sin. God, you are holy, and through Jesus' blood, you made us holy and righteous. So God, today we choose to make a step towards you. God, today we choose to say yes. God, we turn from our old way of doing things, our ways of sin, and the things that we're ashamed of, and God, we put our eyes on you, the author of our faith, and God, we want to walk in your ways. So God, I pray for us that even as we've still made mistakes, as we've still done things that we shouldn't do. God, we thank you that your blood covers us. We repent of those things, and we thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take the cup. Victory family, thank you for celebrating and remembering with us. You have a container at the end of each row that you can grab and pass it down to put your trash in. And in just a moment, we're going to continue on with our service. But if it's your first time here, if you haven't been here in a few weeks, I just want to let you know that today we're continuing in our Love Over Lust series, which is going to have some mature themes. So if you have some little ones with you, this is a great time to go ahead and step out, check them into their Victory Kids classrooms in the sink, uh, in the lobby area, so that way they can enjoy teaching at their level. So Victory family, go ahead and greet someone around you, and you can take a seat. Awesome. Well, it is great to be together here with you all this morning. If it's your first time here, we just want to take a second to say that we are glad that you're here. Victory family, can we welcome all of our guests this morning? If you didn't get the chance to stop out at our new here table, we would love to see you after service. We have some people that would like to get to know you a little bit better. You can ask any questions about victory that you may have, and we also have a special gift that we'd love to get into your hands. In addition, if it is your first time here, we'd like to encourage you to check out connecttovictory.com. There you can find all of the resources we have available at Victory, all of our upcoming events, and also if there's anything you would like to know about Victory, that is the perfect place to do it. If you're already part of the Victory family, this is also where you can continue your worship through giving today. So like I mentioned events, we always have something going on here at Victory, and last night I heard the men had something going on, is that right? I don't know all of what happened. I heard there was some boxing going on, hopefully not each other. I don't think it was to each other, but it looked like y'all had a lot of fun. And also I heard that people were able to uh, take some one steps. There was awesome community and fellowship together. So we love hearing about what God's doing here at Victory. And if you weren't able to be a part, we would love to invite you out for the men to our next men's breakfast. It's gonna be coming up soon. We also have a men's conference later this year. So if you're someone that's looking for community, just looking for that next step to be able to get a little bit more plugged in, this is the perfect way to do it. 
And ladies, of course, we didn't forget about you either. So this Thursday, we're going to be having our very own worship night here at Midtown. So show up here, 7 o'clock on Thursday. There's going to be a QR code on the screen to register. And if you've ever been to a thirst service here, you know exactly what to expect. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be praying. It's a great time to be able to disconnect from everything else that's going on in the world and reconnecting with God. And especially if you're a woman in this room who's looking to just take that next step with God, whether that's through leading, through prayer, or just looking to get closer to Him. We're gonna be having a special time of prayer this Thursday and we'd love to invite you out to it. Also for the ladies, one of our founding pastors, Colleen Rouse, she loves creating resources for women and especially for leaders. So the next issue of the Thrive Today Journal is available in the lobby. It's great for personal, professional development. We'd love to encourage you to pick one up on your way out of here. And lastly, as I mentioned, we are continuing in our Love Over Lust series. So we know that sometimes we kind of joke around, we make light of topics, but it's a topic that hits all of us differently and can hit us deeply. And if you're in this room and this series has been a lot for you, we want you to know that you're not alone. And we wanna partner with you and give you some resources to help you walk out that freedom that you're receiving. So the Connect to Victory website, like I said, it's the hub for everything. So we wanna encourage you to go there and tap resources, whether you're looking for something for sexual integrity, to help your marriage, or freedom for pornography. We have all kinds of resources available there that we'd love to encourage you to check out. But today we are continuing. We have Pastor Mo in the house ready to preach. We are looking forward to that. So if you'd like to follow along today, you can pull open the YouVersion app, just tap more events and then search for Victory Midtown and then you can follow along with the message today. So let me pray over our hearts and pray over our giving and we'll get ready to receive. God, we thank you so much for your presence that's here with us. God, we thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. And that same good father that we run to, that same good father that we surrender to, God, we ask that you would open up our hearts to receive today. God, we pray that you would speak to us and that we would hold nothing back from you. God, we thank you for the giving. We ask that you would multiply it and send it to spread your kingdom. And God, we are here for you and you alone. So God, help us to receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, Victory Church. How's everybody doing today? Come on, it's okay to clap your hands if you're glad to be in church this morning. We welcome all those who are here with us today, those worshiping with us online. And I just want to say uh, Sunday is one of my favorite days of the week because we get to see you, we get to worship together, and continue to declare God's goodness as we continue to move forward. And I'm excited today because as we are continuing in this series, uh, one of the great opportunities we have is this opportunity to speak about something that's literally probably one of the most controversial, but also one of the most beautiful topics in the Bible and in the world. And we're talking about sex. 
And so if you are here for the very first time and you don't know what you just stepped into, welcome. <laughs> Over the last several weeks, uh, we've been just kind of navigating through a couple things. The first week, Pastor Johnson talked about this subject of what to do with the things God says no to and why God says no to certain things when it comes to our sexuality and how we see things. And last week, we even talked about, we had a couple of the Willises, they ministered to us about what sex looks like in marriage and why it is good in the context of marriage. And so today, we've called this series Love Over Lust. Why? Because I think we, we need to know the difference between the two. We need to know the difference between the two because a lot of times people get them mixed up. Sometimes we walk around and we say, man, I got love at first sight. But it's probably lust at first sight. A lot of times we think we fall head over heels in love with people, but if we're really honest, it's infatuation and it's head over heels in lust. And so we just want to be clear as we navigate through these things in a posture of comfort, in a posture of non-judgmental uh, action, in, a, in, a, in the context of us just being friends today, amen? If I could, as I was preparing this message, I would literally sit a little couch right here and just sit and have a conversation. Because I believe this subject so many times is, is brought up, especially in church, from the wrong posture. And so as I'm ministering today, as I'm talking, I really want this to be more of a conversation because I believe we can get this, we can grab this, and we can walk in the fruit of it. Amen? One of the things that I want to just kind of right off the gate say about why this series is so important is just a stat that I ran across this past week as I was preparing for this message. Uh, the Pew Research Study says this. It said that 50% of Christians, somebody say Christian. 50% of Christians believe that consensual sex among adults that are not married is always or sometimes okay. 50% of Christians believe that consensual sex outside of marriage between adults is okay. And now I know we're in a room with a lot of mixed um, feelings, a lot of people coming from different backgrounds, people coming from different uh, experiences here and there. But today, what we want to do is we want to draw a line in the sand and give the right posture of what God says about sex, about what he says in the context of marriage. And so one of the things that I want to say to us today as we kind of get into this is if this message is not just heard, but if it's received deep down on the inside, I literally believe that it can change the entire trajectory of your life. I want to say that very soberly. I believe that if we can get this message, again, not just be a hearer of it, but truly open ourselves up to hear and receive what God is saying through this message, it literally can change not only our lives, but the generations that come after us. Because how many of you know what we do in this life, what we do in time does not just affect us. It affects those who come after us. And so if you would, I want you just to join me in prayer for a moment, because what I believe that if you came today and you've been struggling with sexual sin, if you've been struggling with shame, if you've been dealing with anything that comes to do with sexual impurity or just sexual confusion, I believe today is the first step in you receiving your freedom. Amen? Amen. So if you would, do me this favor. Put your hand, one hand on your head. Put one hand on your heart. And join me as I pray over this message. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace that is sufficient. We thank you, God, that it is your will for us to understand what you say about what you created. You created sex to be good, but you gave us instructions of how that's supposed to be walked out. 
So, Father, my prayer is that we don't just hear this word today, but you open up our minds, you open up our heart. Take away any blockage that is in our mind from past experience. Take away any blockage that's in our mind from past understanding and allow us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind today. Father, I pray for every person in here that you even give us a heart to receive. Because this subject really hits home for all of us in some way, shape, or form. My prayer, God, is that my words are transformed by you, Holy Spirit, to the specific way that you want to minister to each and every one of us, whether we're here in this room or we're watching this later or watching this online. Give us your grace that we are walking in full purity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me start, first of all, by being very clear that I'm not going to be speaking this message from this kind of holier-than-thou um, perspective of I have it all together, that you, you, you have Jesus and you don't need anybody else. You, don't, you have Jesus as your boyfriend and you're good. Or I'm not even going to be speaking this place from this fake or theoretical standpoint of I've arrived because I'm in ministry. Or I've arrived because that's not something that's a temptation for me. I want to speak from this place that this temptation, this subject that we're talking about, is something that I, your pastor, have to put at the feet of Jesus every single day to make sure that I'm able to walk in sexual purity and in sexual integrity. Amen? I'm also wanting you to know that I'm speaking this message from a place of a person who was exposed to pornography at an early age, probably around 12 or 13 years old. So much so where it awakened certain things in me prematurely. It awakened sexual urges in me prematurely. And that is why God really wants us to have sex only in the context of marriage, because he created it to be good. But if it's awakened too early, it will consume our lives. And so for me, I've had to navigate through this by being exposed to that, by even as I walked through my adult life, even in meeting my wife, Kendra, while we were dating, we had these conversations about this struggle that I was navigating through, even in my adult life. And let me say this, even while I was serving in ministry. And I say that very clearly because what I want to make sure we make very clear is I don't care if you have a new hair shirt on today. I don't care if you have a Victory Kids shirt on today. I don't care if you're an usher or a greeter or you are the pastor. We all need this message and we all need this truth and we all need to operate in what God has for us and receive it. Amen? And so as I navigated through this in our dating life, even into our marriage and having to walk through this, what I understood was that this was something that the enemy had a plan to steal life from me. That the enemy had a plan to sabotage my destiny. The enemy had a plan to take advantage of this so that I could actually have trouble and challenges and fissures in between my wife and I by not having transparency. But I'm thankful that as we navigated and as we prayed through and as we sought help and as we had grace and truth, I was able to be delivered from that pornography. And I think that's good news and we can give God praise about that. But what I want to say, I'm thankful that y'all can clap for me. I just needed that encouragement. But what I also know is that that's not everybody's testimony. I know that that's not everybody's testimony. And some of us need to take that step today because we've been bound in a place that we don't want to be bound in anymore. And so my prayer today is that as we navigate through this, as we walk in this, that God opens our eyes, that he allows us to see what real love is, and he allows us to walk in purity. Amen? 
So let's kind of jump into this. Um, as I'm happy about that, I want to share some things about the state of sex in America, the state of sex in our society, and why it's so important for us to talk about this in church. As I navigated through this in the 9 o'clock service, you could feel the tension in the room, but you can feel also the need to receive this. And so we're going to put a graph on the, on the uh, screen just to kind of show you some of the things that are happening right now in the state of our country, in the state of our world, when it comes to the challenge that we have around sex. Number one, one out of five children have sex by the age of 12 in America. Now, that's enough right there for us to have our eyes open. And I also want to give this disclaimer. Some of these stats, they're even a couple years old, which means it's even worse now. One in, five, one, let me see, one in five children have sex by the age of 12 in America. The average age of viewing pornography for the first time is 11. It's 11, sometimes even earlier. 94% of children see porn by the age of 14. The National Center for Victims of Crime reports say this, over the course of a lifetime, 28% of youth in America ages 14 to 17 report being sexually victimized. One in four girls and one in 20 boys are victims of sexual abuse. A major thing that actually contributes to this is pornography. And around 42 million porn websites in America are live, active, and going strong. 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. Hear this. 82% of men ages 16 to 75 are fighting strong sexual temptation on a regular basis. I want to pause right there because what we could do if we're not careful is that we could kind of categorize this as the young man struggle or the young woman struggle. And what I know very clearly from conversations that we have had, if this is not a young man or a young woman struggle, this is one that hits all of us in different places that we have to be intentional about walking through. Men, women, or the like. 68% of Christian men have watched pornography within the last year. 60% of married men and 40% of all married women have had extramarital affairs. And 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. That last stat is something that really hit me hard because... As I stand up here and I look at these wonderful souls, people who come in week in, week out, looking to walk in the things of God, what I understand is that we're all battling something when we leave this place. That we come in and it's awesome that we're able to lift our hands and we're able to receive from God. But the reality is that this is what I would call the secret killer. It's the secret killer because you can look like you have everything going on well on the outside. But when you go home, you are struggling and you're feeding the soulless part of your man in private. And so my, what my prayer is today is that we receive this, that we feel empowered, not condemned. That we feel a conviction of the Lord and we're able to move forward in strength and in the power that God has for us. Is anybody with that today? Amen. Amen. So I know that's a lot, and I know that's kind of heavy, but I want to read this quote um, that's really by someone who studied sexuality and how it affects culture. It's Dr. J.D. Unwin, and he wrote this book about 100 years ago, so even more now this is relevant. He says this, sexual fidelity was the single most important factor of a society's ascendancy. 
In human records over the last 5,000 years, there is no instance of a society retaining its energy after a complete new generation has inherited a tradition which does not insist on prenuptial and postnuptial continents. After a nation becomes prosperous, it becomes increasingly liberal with regard to sexual morality and as a result loses its cohesion, its impetus, its purpose. And the process, says the author, is irreversible. As I read that, that can seem like a gloom and doom. But what I believe is that maybe Dr. Unwin was actually speaking from an unredeemed standpoint. That maybe he was speaking from a place that did not include the factor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because yes, these actions are true. These things and results are true. But I believe that nothing that is called sin is irreversible when we see the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so the hope that we have today is that we're able to really walk in this because in short, all he was saying is that how you see sex is a big deal. The perspective you have on sex is a major deal. It has major repercussions. And it has major repercussions not just for us, but for every generation that comes behind us. And so this is what I want to ask you for the rest of this service I know there's a couple hundred people in this room, and even if you're watching online, you may be by yourself. But for the rest of this service, I want you to act like it's just me and you. I want you to shut out all the noise. I want you to shut out any bit of condemnation you may have or any kind of trepidation you may have to respond because of what someone may think about you if you are struggling in this area. Because as I've said, because of grace, because of mercy, because of a loving wife, and because of our God, I can say that I was once in this same boat, but through constant prayer, through constant diligence, and through God's grace, we're able to walk in victory. And so let's walk through this. There's there's nothing casual about sex. Let me just make that statement one more time. I said it earlier that 50% of Christians say that casual sex is okay as long as it's consensual, but let me say it very clear, and I need you to write it down if you're taking notes. Just say it. There is nothing casual about sex. Can we repeat this after me? Say, there is nothing nothing casual casual about sex. sex. Say, sex is good, good. but doing it the way God said. Paul actually gives us some insight. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is very important. I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase because he brings it to light in a way that we can grab and understand. Paul says this. He says, there is more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy leaving us more lonely than ever the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. In these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with one another. Hear this. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you cannot live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you, but God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. 
As I read that and as I thought about it, I just made a note at the bottom of my notes as, as I read 1 Corinthians 6. The question is this, write this down. Do people see God through the way that you use your body? If someone was to see the way that you use your body, would they see God or would they see you? Would they see it as an act of worship or something that's actually feeding into the flesh? And so as we're looking at this, we want to take a deep dive because I believe one of the reasons why we are so casual in society about sex is, number one, as the scripture says, we don't necessarily see the value in how God created us. We don't see the value, so we actually engage with people from that place of a devalued state. Because if you value something, you're very careful about how you put it, give, it, uh, give it to somebody. If you value something, you're not just going to give that value thing to someone you know you can't trust. But the second reason why I believe we're very casual when it comes to sex is that we don't realize how much we're giving of ourselves away when it's outside of the confines of marriage. And so Paul, he continues to give us more insight here in 1 Thessalonians. This is important as well. Verse 3, he says, God's will is for you to be holy. He gives this follow-up instruction. He says, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God in his ways, he goes on to say, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his, his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. Hear this, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let me do this for a second. Can we just take a deep breath in? One more time. I just shake it off for a minute. Because as I engage in this conversation, I can feel the tightness in the room. I can feel the seriousness in the room. And some of it is because some of us, if we're really honest, we've been saying, I've been waiting to hear this. I've been waiting because I am looking to go forward in my journey with God. And I don't want to keep operating in the way that I've operated before. And some of us, what we know is that we've taken some things into our own hands, trying to fulfill real desires that we have that were given by God with real answers that are only temporary, but not terminal for us to continue to move forward. So as we look at this, again, I need you to hear me one to one today, because I want to share, even throughout this message, some of the wisdom that my wife and I were able to employ as we navigated through this life. And I want to just share some insight, especially because we have a lot of new people. So when I was 24 years old, I got married for the first time. And I went through a marriage, and I was divorced after a couple of years, and a divorce that I did not want, a situation that was very unfortunate, um, and really tried to fight for that marriage. But unfortunately, we could not reconcile. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we all know that the Bible talks about making sure that we only have sex in the context of marriage. Why? Because God knows how he created us. He knows how he created us that once we open up that tank, once we start to engage in that manner, there is a, there's something on the inside of us that's really not supposed to be turned off, but it's supposed to be free and liberal in the context of marriage. And so for me, as I navigated through this, it was a hard time because I remember coming out of that situation and while I was trying to start over again, I'm like, so what am I going to do with all this feeling? 
Some of y'all have followed me for a little while. You think I just work out because I want to be in shape. If the truth be told, I was working out because there was some sexual frustration on the inside of me that I said, Lord, I have to release this somewhere. Do I have any witnesses in the room? Now, I'm going to ask for an honest church this morning. There we go. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because while we were navigating through that time of even courting and dating, there were times where we had to do some drastic things that would be called radical today to make sure that we kept ourselves pure. Because as we navigated through that, we are blessed to be able to say we did not consummate our marriage until we got married. But let me say this. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy and we weren't perfect, but God allowed us to be able to withstand. Amen. And so I want to give wisdom because I just want to help somebody today. I want us to be able to actually grow from even the things that we've navigated through. And so many of you know, we've been walking through this Sermon on the Mount series. And all throughout it, we've been kind of hovering around Matthew 5. And in this particular part of the, the story, we find ourselves in Matthew chapter t- uh, 5, verse 27. And this is when Jesus came on the earth. And he came on the earth where the Roman Empire was all the rave, where they were in control of most things. And so Jesus was navigating this space between the Roman norms and the Jewish norms. And at that time, the Roman men, they pretty much had a free pass to do whatever they wanted. They were having uh, sex inside and outside of marriage. They were raping boys and girls. They were doing all type of stuff that was out of bounds. And so Jesus, in this Sermon on the Mount, he says to them in the middle of speaking about all these character things, he says to them something that had everybody shook. He started to speak straight to the point of sex and adultery. Let's go to verse 27. He said this, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, let me explain something really quick as a quick review. A couple of weeks ago, we ministered about the fact that Jesus, when he came, he came to fulfill the entire law and all the things that the prophet said. And so what he was saying right here when he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he was saying, they gave one thing in the law. They gave one example, but let me raise the standard. Let me show you the whole story. Let me show you the fulfilled version of what you're supposed to walk in so you don't just tap into that one specific thing and say you get a pass because you're not talking about my thing. And so he opens this up and starts to tell them that I'm always going to see beyond the surface. I'm not just going to deal with your representative that shows up on Sunday. I want to deal with the person that's on the inside of you. And so he challenged them and said, you guys are focusing on what happens in the bed, but I'm focused on what happens in your head. We all know that there are some things that we think well about. We go down a long trail in our heads that we never do with our hands, but God still wants that to be pure. And so he goes on in verse 29 and he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for the whole body to be cast into hell. What Jesus is really talking about right here, everybody, is radical purity. 
He's talking about radical purity, and he's actually using hyperbole. He's not saying, go ahead and cut your hand off and cut your eye out. Why? Because you would just have a whole lot of people with with no right hand, no right eye, still sinning with the left side. Y'all know we figure it out. I'm limited over there. I will figure this thing out over here. What he was saying is that if you are going to be pure, if you're going to make sure that your, your head and your thoughts align with what you're doing and your actions that are pure, you're going to have to do something radical. You're going to have to put sin out of reach. You're going to have to do something that's totally opposite from the way that the rest of the world says is okay. And so what he's saying right here, and I want to give us this point, that sexual sin And sin overall usually is engaged in two primary ways. Write this down. This is not in your notes. It's engaged through the eye gate and through your hands, through your eyes and in your hands. See, the eye gate is the place of origin of inception of a thought. And when you get something that comes into your eyes, you have that opportunity to take it in and it gets root in your spirit to now create an action. But the action doesn't happen until you actually put your hand to it, where that's the place where usually you start to see the repercussions of a thing. And so this point of activation is very important. But I have this question, even that leads into what we're going into. How many of us, and listen to my question before you answer, how many of us you've had something happen to you or you've encountered something that felt good, it was good, you know, whether good, bad, or indifferent, and then later when you see that thing again or you see that opportunity, you kind of start to have that memory. You start to remember that fragrance. You start to remember how that person or how that thing made you feel. Now, to open this up, it could be food. It could be a roller coaster. It could be a certain type of clothes you wear. Now, how many people, by a show of hands, have ever experienced that? Because I knew y'all weren't going to raise your hand about the other part. (laughs) But the reality is this. There are three observations that I want to kind of bring out that are related to sexual sin. The first one is this. Sexual sin can defile your heart and completely control your life. Sexual sin can defile your heart and completely control your life. Why? Because sex can be like an addiction. Sex can be like a drug. The reason why God made it so powerful because he didn't necessarily want it to be suppressed when it was in the context that he created for us to let it go in. But what happens is that so many of us we've been exposed to early Some of us have made choices that were out of bounds, but God says, I want to let you know that redemption is available to you. I want to let you know that you can start a new uh, spiritual birthday, even in your sexuality, even today. And so as we look at this, we need to understand the power of sex and what what it turns on. Hear this, sexual acts, it actually produces this chemical dopamine in your brain. It's what's called the emotion of a pleasure or the hormone, uh, hormone emotion. And it creates these strong emotions and cravings that are yearning to be repeated over and over and over again. But what happens is that as that's coming up, it's actually blocking those senses that actually give you logic. That tells you when to say no. And what ends up happening is that feeling that you're trying to get back to oftentimes overpowers the rational side of you because now it's locked in and lust is now becoming a stronghold. And so when we think about this, even going back to what Paul said, that's why sex is more than just skin on skin. 
It's a spiritual thing. It's an even neurological thing. As a matter of fact, it's a biological thing because when you actually think about what's happening, it's something that you can actually retrain in your brain. Number two, sexual sin can take you to hell. Now, that's a straightforward statement, but I want to say it and break it down that I'm not just talking about spiritual hell. I'm talking about even earthly hell. How many of us have watched people who are CEOs, who are prominent members of this particular group, who are athlete here, an athlete there, or, or someone who is actually right on the brink of success, and then some sexual sin takes them out and you never hear from them again? Because this is one of the strongest things that can happen, we have to know how to navigate with it. Like it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, as Jesus said, cut off your hand, what he said about being radical, he said radical is being extremely different from the usual or traditional. Being radical is being extremely different from the usual or traditional. So here's what I want to say to that. In order to live sexually pure, you're going to have to operate different, but you're also going to have to operate in God's wisdom. And so I want us to go to this book of wisdom in Proverbs because we're going to kind of launch off from there and I want to build from there. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. As I read through this, I'm going to kind of pull out major themes so that we can really know what to wrap our arms around. Proverbs 4 was actually created in Proverbs as a whole. It was created as wisdom from a father to a son, which gives us this understanding of how to operate. Verse 20 says this. Listen carefully, my dear friend to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words. That's number one. Until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Number two is avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. Number three, set your gaze on the path before you. With fixed purpose looking straight ahead, ignore life's distractions. Watch where you are going, number four. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. So out of this particular scripture right here, we're going to bring out four main ways that we can walk in radical purity. Number one is this, this major key. What we put in our mind is critical when it comes to walking in purity. Write this statement down and send your notes if you're following along. Whatever dominates your thoughts dominates your life. Whatever dominates your thoughts dominates your life. Which is why we can't just be casual about what we consume. Which is why we can't just be those who just say, oh, it's just information or it's just music playing in the background or it's just this thing that I'm watching on TV. No, all of these things are either pushing you forward or pushing you backward in the direction that God has for you to go. Romans 12 verse 2, a very familiar passage of scripture, breaks it down just like this. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Can we just pause right there for a second? How many people want to be transformed into the image of God? He says, let God transform you into a new person. I'm pausing again because I'm feeling this in my spirit that so many people have lost hope that they have to be that old person that they've been. 
But God is saying hope is alive and well here for you today. I need to say that to somebody watching online. Hope is alive and well ready for you right here today. It's all right to clap about it if you believe it. He says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hear me say this. You will never understand how to live in God's word if you don't get his word in your mind and in your heart so that you can actually navigate from that place. Because what we have to do is that we have to recondition and reform our mind. I said it already, but this is spiritual, it's biological, it's intellectual, because our brains are neuroplastic. Can we just speak biological for a moment? You have the ability by taking in what the word says, because God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you know that you've been operating at a negative deficit in the things of God, now is the time to say, I am committing because I don't want to be the same person that I've been. I want to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want to see my purpose restored. I want to see my future involved in what God has me for. And so as we look at this, we have to make sure that we know that we can't be passive in this. We have to be absolutely active. And so throughout the Bible, God tells us many ways. In Psalms 1, I'm giving you a lot of scripture today because we have to make sure that we recondition. In Psalms 1, verse 1, he says this. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Hear this part. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will never wither and they will prosper in all you do. Hear this very simple statement. When you read the word, what it does is it cleanses your heart. It reconditions your mind and it creates new fruit. The reason I love this word picture, word picture in Psalms 1, because what he's saying is that when you come and plant yourself with the living water, with the renewing of what I'm saying, every season now replaces old fruit and now gives you new fruit that now comes from the spirit by what you've been feeding yourself instead of what you've navigated in and sin. And so we have this hope as we walk through this, but that's not it. When we go to the second point of walking in radical purity, it's about what you say. It's about what you say. Verse 24 talk, talked about avoiding dishonest speech and pretentious words. The MIV, the Mo International Version, says it like this. Just stop lying, sis. Bruh. Like, you know you lying. But what we're saying and what we're talking about lying, I'm not just talking about lying to other people. I'm talking about lying to yourself. Come on, somebody put your hand on your chest right here and say, I'll be lying to myself. Some of y'all don't want to say it. Admit it. I'm going to say it for you. You lie to yourself. And when we lie to ourselves, a lot of times that gets us in trouble. Because one of the things that goes hand in hand with sexual sin is lying and deception. Because what we do, we say things like, oh, I can fight off that temptation. I'm strong enough. I'm not even attracted to that type. <laughs> then you go back and say, I thought I wasn't attracted to that type. 
but I'm all caught up. What am I really saying? We have to be honest with ourselves and God. And in being honest with ourselves and God, we can't just talk to ourselves. But sometimes we have to talk to other people because other people will help us be accountable. Other people will hear you say, I want to walk in sexual purity. So that will be the person that says, where you at? That will be the person that texts you and checks on you when they know that your proclivities actually yield to you at certain types of the night going to certain places that you shouldn't go. And so if we're going to be people that actually have purity in our sexuality, we have to have purity in what we say. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We love to quote this part of the scripture. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. But the prerequisite to somebody being able to be powerful in prayer is that you have to tell them what's going on with you. Can we just take off the mask for a second and open ourselves up and say, many times we get ourselves into trouble because we're trying to fix problems that actually entered into us on the same level that it was created. We're trying to get out of stuff on our own knowing that that does not work. And so I want to challenge us to be a a people, to be a church that starts to look out for each other, that starts to open ourselves up a little bit more. You don't have to tell everybody all your business, but tell them I'm struggling in this area. Because what you will find out is more people are struggling in that same area. You think you're alone, but you have a whole host of people that are looking to get victory just like you if you could just come arm in arm with them. And so as we're looking at this, I want to make sure we know this because it's so important for us to confess our sins. Why? Because when we don't confess our sins, what we do is we spin our sins. We put a spin on it. What am I saying? We say things like, well, we justify it and say, well, she's not giving me me none, so I got to. Or he's not being as romantic, so I got to. You know, she's not being a fan of mine, so I'm going to go to OnlyFans. Nobody knows when I'm doing that over there. I can do that in the privacy of my own home or my phone. We say things like, you know, when we first got married, he used to have a six-pack, and he used to be all of this. Now he just looks like a keg. (laughs) He's not as attractive to me, but, girl, you saw my trainer the other day. I just work out just to go see him. Can we be honest in this place today? What we do is we spin sins and we justify the things that are going on the inside of us, not knowing that we are the ones that are going to have to pay the price. Because there's always a price. And the big lie that Satan gives us, he makes us ask the question and we rationalize. He says, did God really say that? Did God really say you shouldn't have sex before marriage? You mean you're going to be with them for eternity, for your whole life, and you're not going to test it out? We justify things by saying, oh, I'm in love. You know, it's it's love at first sight, but really it's lust at first sight. I'm taking my time on this because I believe that this burden has been on me because you are one decision away from seeing God change the entire trajectory of your life by operating in this area of purity. Let me not run past that. You are one decision away from God shifting your entire trajectory because you've made a decision to be pure in this area that has held you back in the past. 
Because eventually what happens is that you will start to believe the lie that Satan tells you that it's okay to satisfy yourself in that area. It's just emotional. Yeah, I'm not actually with somebody. I'm not actually doing the physical act, but what's going on in your head? And so we have to make a decision to say, God, I'm going to live in the light. I'm going to confess this sin, not only to other people, but to you, and I'm going to live in the light. Let me go to number three. Number three, a way to operate in radical purity is that you have to guard what you look at. You have to guard what you look at. I love how this passage says this. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignoring life's distractions. Can I be very real with y'all today? I think y'all are going to bear witness with me. Temptation is everywhere. Quiet is kept. Somebody sitting here right now and say, temptation is sitting right next to me. <laughs> I'm going to be real in this house today. But here's what I want us to know. While temptation is all around us each and every day, we cannot control what we see. But you can control what you look at. There's a big difference between what you see and what you look at. Because when you see something that's passive, but when you look at it, it's all the way live and it's active. See, I'm, I'm a grown man in this place, and my wife knows this. We talk about this often. I recognize when there's an attractive woman. I see women that are attractive, and there's nothing wrong when I see them. It's that second look that'll get you, though. <laughs> she didn't have any problem when we're talking. She said, oh, she looks nice. Yeah, babe, she looks nice. I'm looking right this way. But if I was to take that look the second and the third time, I might have a spiritual fist in my face right here on this side by the Lord, not by her. <laughs> because what I'm saying is that many of us, we say, well, it's just everywhere. They just everywhere. It's all around. But what's the action that you're taking to guard your heart? What is the active thing that you're doing to not continue to look at that thing? Let me give you some context uh, scripturally. Right here, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Why is he emphasizing so much on eyes? Because there is so much that goes on in the eye gate that if you can protect that, you can actually shift your entire life. Let me give you all a little bit of free game or something that I do even in my own life. There are things that sometimes I see. And what I love to do is I love to mock the devil sometimes because I know he's trying to set me up sometimes for failure. And what I say is that as I walk, as I see something and don't look, I say, how you like me now? As I see and I keep walking and I know he wants to actually get me off track and make my gaze somewhere, go somewhere else, I'm able to say, he who endures temptation will receive the crown of life. I believe I'm in a room full of people in here that want to receive the crown of life. If you want that, come on, put your hands together right now and say, God, I want to receive that crown. I want to endure temptation and make it to the end. Hear this. As we talk about this heart of the matter, even in Matthew 5, God, through Jesus, he's saying a lot of times we fool ourselves because we act like because we didn't do it with our hands that we're okay. But what he says is that when you take in something in the eyes, now your image, your image nation starts to become big because your imagination goes so many places 
that takes you down a rabbit hole. If you're really honest in here, we all have been sitting in the meeting. And we get this one thought of an old memory. And before you know it, they're calling your name in the meeting and say, are you here? Because you've remembered that thing or you've imagined this thing way down the line. And God is saying, set your eyes right. Refocus your gaze. Come back together. I want you to stay focused. And let me give you another key. Some of us need to stop trying to put this goal out there that I'm going to make it a whole week being sexually pure. Some of us need to say, God, give me this day my daily bread. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from all evil. See, there are times when I pray that because I'm not even fooling myself to say I'm strong enough. I'm saying, deliver me from this temptation. Don't put temptation in my way that I will fall in. God, I'm trusting you that every moment, every step I take, I have to be so dependent on you that if I don't depend on you, I will fall. We have to start being honest with ourselves to the point that we will be that blunt with God and saying, God, I need your help. And so as we're looking at this, what we're saying is that we have to guard what we look at. Because here's the thing. You may not have touched this person. You may have not stepped out there. But let me ask a very vulnerable question. How many people have you seen they were attracted to you or you were attracted to them and you undressed them with your eyes? A situation that was supposed to be pure. A situation that was supposed to be safe. You've now gone down that rabbit hole and and now you can't even operate in the purity of what God fully designed for that relationship because all you see is flesh. And so what I want to say right now, I just want to take a pause for the cause real quick. I want you to go ahead and put your hands on your eyes real quick. Just trust me in this. Put your hands on your eyes. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord, sanctify my eyes. Say it one more time. Say, Lord, sanctify my eyes. Father, while we have our hands on our eyes right now, what we're saying is we ultimately depend on you. We're not trusting ourselves to be strong. What we're saying, God, is that you give us strength. We tap into the vulnerability of knowing that we need you more than we need our necessary bread. Father, I'm praying right now that as you sanctify our eyes in this place, that as we see things all around us, we will be careful not to look in things that will be destructive. Father, I'm praying even for the erasing and, and dismissing of old thoughts and old things that have tried to hold us back that we're reminded of because our eyes are now sanctified and we are moving forward in power and strength and in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that, if you receive that prayer right there. Here's the last one that I want to give us today, and this may be the most critical of the four. It's where you go. Where you go. If you're going to operate in radical purity, you have to govern where you go. And what I want to be very clear about is really about where you go and where you choose not to go and knowing when to go there. In the scriptures right here, again, in verse 26 of chapter 4 of Proverbs, it says, watch where you're going, stick to the path of truth. And don't go and let yourself be detoured. As we look at this, here's the thing. I want to share a quick little vulnerable moment with you. As I share with you, as Kendra and I were navigating through just the things that I've been able to overcome by the Spirit and through patience, even when we were uh, dating, there were times where I had to make some radical choices. There was this particular time that we had a Sunday where church was really good. You know, God had moved. Uh, The Holy Spirit was just moving in a great way. 
And she had already told me the day before, hey, I'm going to cook this big meal. We're going to hang out after church. We're going to relax. We're going to have a good time. And I remember after church very vividly calling her that day and actually saying, I know you cooked. I know you were expecting me to come over, but I'm not coming over today. And on the other line, she just got silent. She was like, don't you know I've been slaving in this kitchen all day? Somebody going to eat this food. But I remember as we were navigating through that, and I can feel even through her silence, that tone, it wasn't what she said, but it was what I felt. And as I remember saying to her after, the next thing I said is that I'm not coming over. Y'all ready for this? I said, I'm not coming over because if I come over today, I'm going to screw your brains out. (laughs) Am I right about it? Can I keep it real? Did we come to really be real or did we come to fake it? Listen, listen, the reason why I'm bringing it up, going back to what I said before, remember, I was married before. Remember, I had already had this urge and these emotions turned up. And so I was doing everything I could. So I had to be radical. I had to make sure that I needed to even put myself in that situation. It may sound funny. It may even sound strong. But I had to be real with myself knowing that if I go over here, it will be that one time. And so what we have to do is that we have to stop making excuses for ourselves. I'm saying this in all love. We have to stop making excuses for ourselves. Why? Hear me on this. Hear me in love. There's no such thing as a sexual slip up. You didn't just fall in between the legs. Are we adults in here? You ain't just walking, minding your business. Oh! You had to take some intentional actions. Some things had to be unbuttoned. Some things had to be taken off. And when you felt yourself ready, you still had to make the decision to go, I'm going in. I'm saying this, y'all, really, really, I'm hear me. I'm saying this because so many of us, what we do is that we are flirting with temptation when we should be fleeing. And what we do when we do that, we, we put ourselves in situations that we can't get ourselves out of. Because a flirt today yields for a fall tomorrow. And so many of us need to know that sometimes the where to go It's to not go at all. Sometimes we have to know that I am not strong enough to even put myself in a situation. We used to have dates where I was sitting on one side of the house and she was sitting on the other side. Because, girl, you're looking too good. And I know I love you, but I want to value this so much. Listen to this. One of the greatest things that came from that decision, while we talk about it even with couples today, is because at that season of my life, I was traveling like three or four times a week. And because she was able to trust me having discipline with her, when I'm on the road now, she's not worrying about, am I going to slip up on the road? She's not worrying about if I'm going to be able to have discipline. Because if I'm with the person that I know I'm going to marry, but I'm saying I'm going to hold out, I'm going to hold on, I'm going to sanctify this. Now, she knows when I'm on the plane and a baddie walks by, you ain't better than mine.
Come on, Jesus. I want to read the scripture to give us context. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Every time I read that scripture, I hear people saying, well, God said he would never put more on me than you can bear. What have you put on yourself? There are things that we blame on God that we put on ourselves. And if you really think about it, there is always a way out when you get ready to step into that moment of temptation. You just have to decide if you're going to recognize it or not. That phone call that came in in the middle of it, that was a way out. That person that you were supposed to be over here with disappointment and you said, I'll forget them, I'll get back with them later, that was your way out. That thing you had on the calendar that you pushed aside and said, hey, push the meeting, that was your way out. And so here's a warning shot for some people in the room, and I'm feeling this very strong in the spirit, especially for those of you who travel and you're around, you may be married in here, especially the married people. You're traveling the world, be weary of the person that's trying to set you up for a trap. Be weary, because here's the thing, every time the devil knows you're getting ready to go on another level of grace with God, every time God knows he's taking you somewhere, the devil is saying, I want to sabotage that. So you need to be aware of the counterfeit. You need to be aware of the trap that's coming your way and say, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. Here's the thing, I want to kind of close with this. If you're going to be radical about your life sexually, at some point, we have to be very selective about where we allow ourselves to go. And we also have to make sure that even in how we're presenting ourselves with our motives, that we are very honest with that. Because I want to be clear. Listen, I, I know that the streets are hot out here. I know that many of us want to be in great, uh, uh, valuable, and integrous relationships. I'm not saying walk around here and look like a nun. Dress up, look good, but hear this. There's a difference between dressing up to look attractive and dressing up to look sexy. Some of us want to be treated like ladies, but we wear freakum dresses all day. So when you put that on, are you trying to get a man of God or are you trying to get a man of the street? Man, I ain't leaving you out. We say we just don't want to be objectified. We're like a piece of meat or somebody's just trying to use us like an ATM. But you got your chest all out on every IG video. Everything you do, you're putting out all your assets for people to see. And so we have to be people who start to have accountability with one another, who open ourselves up in love enough to be able to say, hey, man, like, you might want to check that. But we first have to be open enough to actually invite people into our lives in that way they can speak into us. I want to close with this. As we commit to actually being those who are sexually pure, we need to remember this foundational scripture. Romans 12, 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As you look at that scripture and as you meditate on that, and I want you to meditate on that even this week if you would. Just every day, just take a moment and read that and just rehearse it and say it out of your mouth. Because what it will pose the question of is, Am I going to be a person that's a slave to my flesh and what my flesh wants? Or am I going to use my body 
as an act of worship. As we're thinking about this, we want to make sure that we're using our bodies as an act of worship. And so in this moment, the way I want to close today, I want to just deal with a couple of things, but I want you to bow your head. I said a lot today. Nobody's exempt. I don't care if you're married, if you're single, if you're an extrovert, if you're an introvert, if you're serving on a team here at Victory, if you're on the camera, if you're a minister, you are one bold, radical decision away from getting total freedom in your life. And so I want to ask that while every head is bowed, if you're in here and you're going to be radical about your sexual purity, and you say, God, yes, I've heard these things. I've, I'm not, it's not about condemnation, but I've been convicted today to know that I need to draw a line in the sand and make a decision to truly get my sexual purity in line. If that's you in here, while every head is bowed, just raise your hand up to me so I can see you. I want to pray for you. Come on, stick those hands up. We're making radical, bold steps. Come on, it's okay. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Because we're talking about this boldness, I want you just to go ahead and stand up right where you are. Don't put the hands down. Go ahead and stand up. Come on. Just trust me for a moment. I believe God is moving. This message has been so burdening in my heart because I believe that this is a final step for so many of us to walk in all that God has for us. you're serious in this place and you're saying, man, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of going through the emotional merry-go-round. There may be things that my spouse doesn't even fully know, but I'm tired of it. It may not even just be a sexual thing, but some of us in this room just say, I just need to sanctify my eyes. I need to be pure. I want to widen that net out for those who want to make a radical decision to really get their full flesh in line with God. If that's you, go ahead and stand up with those who are already standing. I see you. 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 Through the power of Jesus Christ, we are able to be made free. Through the power of God, we're able to be delivered. And so I want to ask you to do one more bold thing that's going to be a lot of, out of some of y'all's comfort zones. I want you to meet me down at the altar right now. Come on, just make your way down to the altar. Don't even think about it. Just make your way down to the altar. As you're stepping, the altar is a place that signifies sacrifice. The altar is a place that signifies that I'm laying something down that costs me so that I can walk in the fullness of what God has for me. I love this church because you're so honest and you really want to grow. Come on, make room. Come in close. Come in close. Come in close. Come in close. There's no condemnation. This is a moment of freedom. This is a moment of grace. Those who have come down to this altar, first of all, I want to say I'm proud of you. More than I'm proud of you, God is proud of you. You didn't come in this place to just play games. You came in here because you want change in your life. And I say this often, it's not like this magic wand is going to be put over you because you came to the altar, but what you're doing is you're taking a physical step, sending a signal to the devil that you will not be bound by his tactics. You are sending a signal to heaven, to God, saying that I love you enough, God, that I want your help, that I'm going to put down my will at the altar, and I'm going to give over my conviction to you so that I can walk in full freedom. Those at the altar right now, just lift your hands to the air right now. What we're saying is we surrender. 
we surrender. Just say that a few times. Just say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I surrender. Lord, I surrender. Pastor Jamal is going to sing over us in a moment. But while he's singing, there are some others that are still sitting in your seat. And you felt too condemned to get up. But I believe that God is going to break the chain of condemnation off your life while you make a step. Some of you have been going to therapy for years thinking about you had a sex addiction. But God is saying, yes, therapy is okay, but the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything. Some of us have been bound by pornography so much that we don't even know why we're doing it anymore. I'm even speaking to some women in the house right now that we always talk about men being bound by pornography, but there's some women that have said, this emotional thing in my mind because I'm not fulfilled, I'm pleasuring myself, I'm not hurting anybody, but my mind is not pure. God says, I want to relieve you. I want to restore you. I want to make you pure. So while he's singing this, if that's you and you need to take that step, just come on down. You might even be able to get to the front of the altar, just step into the aisle as we just receive the grace of the Lord. Let's just lift that up, Jamal. Run to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Run to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We run to. We just want to take one more moment here. There's some of us in here that are too ashamed to move and. You might be with a friend, somebody sitting next to you. I want you to take this moment and even trust God and trust them and just look at them and say, I don't want to walk by myself, but I, I need to take this step. Just check. If you're with a friend today, if you're with somebody you know, just check with them real quick. If you're sitting in your seat, just check with them. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in this. Freedom is in this place. Freedom is in this place. Freedom is in this place. As we go into this next part of the song, those who are at the altar, I want you not to hold back what you're feeling. Some of us need to release to God and say, Lord, I'm following you. Lord, I'm surrendering. I don't want to be in turmoil anymore. So whatever you're sensing, if you need to give it to God, just lift your hands right now and give it to him as we lift this last part up. We surrender, God. I surrender. I surrender all, yeah, all to Thee, my blessed Savior. I time as I pray. Father, our hands lifted right now. This is not just a mundane moment. What we're saying right now with our hands lifted is that we surrender all to you, God. We don't want just part of your promise. We want the fullness of your promise. 
Part of your promise is that you want us to have inward peace. Part of your promise is that you want us to be transparent. Part of your promise is that you want to get us into the place that you have planned for us to prosper us, to give us a great hope in the future. So, Father, my prayer today is that these individuals with courage, with boldness, with a radical step, they didn't just step out of religious exercise, but they have stepped into new purpose. They have stepped into new destiny. They have stepped into new freedom, God. And I pray grace upon each and every person that when they leave here, they will even get sick to their stomach if they want to try to go back into those old things. That God, you will prohibit them from walking back into old things that they are looking to come out even today. Father, I'm praying a radical prayer right now that you don't even put the temptation back in their lives, but when it comes or if it tries to come, that they will actually be in another place where they're able to actually speak to somebody to walk with accountability, to confess with another person, but most of all, to depend on you that your grace is sufficient. Father, I'm praying for those who at one time have been married or who have already been sexually active, that are having a hard time walking this life of abstinence and celibacy. Father, I'm praying that this will be a line in the sand, that Victory Midtown will be a place that is safe for us to walk in purity. That Victory Midtown will be a place that we are edified together. That Victory Midtown will be a place where we see so many people coming together, joining arms to be all that we can be in you, God. Father, I come against any wolves in sheep's clothing that will try to go across any boundaries of vulnerability. Father, I'm praying right now a cease and desist to any false starts in relationships that people who have identified us through lust in the disguise of love will not be able to come near us. Father, I'm praying right now that some of us in this room that have even been yearning for valuable relationships, that we will not give ourselves away like it's just skin on skin, but we will value ourselves in a new way like never before. Father, I am thank you for transforming power that some of us who had a history can say, I am made new, I am made clean, and I say I have a happy new birthday today in my sexuality because I committed to you. Hallelujah! Father, we give you praise. And we thank you that this is just one step. But I pray for discipline, I pray for, pray for diligence, and I pray that we will continue to follow you forward as you allow us to walk this out. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? God bless you all. God bless you all. Come on, can we put our hands together for those that they go back to their seat? Y'all can go back to your seat. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Emily will tell you about some resources that we have. But Victory Midtown, we are walking in radical purity. God bless you. Amen, amen.